Good evening, everyone. Um, we'll probably start. I think there's enough time. Uh, I just need somebody to take a co-host from me, just in case you know there is a uh, there's a drop in signal. I know Lalpaji is here. Lalpaji, let me try to give you the co-host if that is fine. Uh, and, uh, anybody else wants a co-host, they can just raise their hand, and I can you know uh, send you the co-host. Uh, if we can get two co-hosts, I think that'll be great. Okay, while we are at it, uh, I hope everybody can hear me. Uh, let me know if my voice is not clear because, okay, great. So I am getting the thumbs up. Uh, we'll do the space in English because and I'll probably do a Punjabi version later on. Uh, but um, I want to do it in English so that all my patriots, uh, you know, fellow patriots in Canada and US can actually, you know, watch this. Uh, and kind of understand uh, the topic that is under discussion. Uh, uh, today, we are going to talk about, you know, India's undeclared war with uh, Canada and US. You can use the term West as well, you know, if you want to include the all five I nations, actually, they are kind of under threat. Um, and that has been kind of being observed for the last two years, uh, the role that the Indian regime has been playing uh, in, uh, you know, instilling violence and division and harming Canadians and Americans and British and Australian citizens. Uh, these are very, very serious concerns. Uh, they have been lately, you know, uh, been commented upon extensively by uh, by the mainstream media in US, Canada, you name any country, mm -hmm. from Washington Post to New York Times to everybody else. Um, uh, they have all commented on it. And while we are at it, I'll just uh, kind of before I go further, like I'll request if somebody else can send a request and become a co-host. That'll be great. Okay. So, um, but, you know, recently today, there was another very, very serious incident which happened um, in um, in what, what exactly happened was that there, uh, there are a lot of people, businesses in Edmonton, Alberta, that have been targeted uh, through arson. Uh, and that kind of triggered me that, hey, this thing, this thing is getting really serious. 
So I, we need to really talk about it and educate our citizens about, you know, what's going on. Uh, while we are at it, uh, Lalpa ji, can you mute your mic? Uh, you keep going on. Yeah. Okay. So um, I think to understand what's going on, uh, there are things happening at multi multiple level. And, uh, and we need to kind of understand all of it. So many of you have probably read one article of, you know, India, you know, trying to murder a Sikh activist here uh, or in Brit uh, or in US or in Canada. Some of you might have heard something else. But, you know, I don't think there has been a good job done till now by any of the mainstream media in putting the entire picture of what's going on. So this effort is to actually give you an entire picture of all the things that India has been doing in terms of, you know, um, harming US, Canadian, British and Australian interests. So we'll talk about it, um, the topic, as I said, in India's undeclared war with the West. And hopefully by the time I end this presentation, you guys will be uh, more wiser and understand why I am making this very, very, uh, it might sound a provocative statement because India was seen as a friend not too long ago. Uh, but suddenly the image has changed from a friend to a foe. Uh, so I want to kind of go through all the facts and, you know, uh, kind of give you a high level 40,000 feet view, if not, you know, a deeper view of what's, what has caused this sudden change in our posture towards India. So to understand that, we first have to understand some bit of, you know, um, history of India's relationship with West and, you know, what has been India's role vis-a-vis -vis US and Canada in various multilateral forums, whether it's WTO, United Nations, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, not many of you might know that, you know, which is the country which has voted the most against US in United Nations. And the number two is not even close, okay? The country which has voted the most against United States in UN is India. There's no country which comes close to the number one. So just to give you context, that yes, India was kind of seen as a very friendly country, uh, but that is a very, very recent phenomena of last two decades. From 1947, by the time the UN came into being, till 1992, that was the dismembering of uh, USSR, India was squarely and firmly a Russian uh, client state or a USSR Soviet client state. Russia came, came into existence later. So uh, due to that, uh, India, you know, always used to take very anamical positions against U.S. Uh, and Western interests. So uh, that changed uh, to some degree, uh, you know, uh, in the last two decades, but not a whole lot. Still, India was heavily against, you know, anything which comes from the Western bloc. Another thing that we saw was, you know, when uh, the, all of us were trying to help Ukraine uh, ward off, you know, the this illegal and I would say um, fascist invasion by Putin, uh, you know, which country kind of supported Russia through and through and made sure that all the sanctions against Russia do not work at all. It was India. India actually disregarded all the sanctions on buying petroleum, et cetera, from Russia and went ahead and basically bought every single drop of oil that Russia was purchasing, basically nullifying all the sanctions we had put in place, all this you know, inflation we took on our budget, where we had to pay all this excessive cost for the petrol and uh, gas, as well as the Europeans had even way rougher uh, winter. Uh, India basically made money out of it because they got cheap oil and Russia was happy with it because they were getting funding for the war, war effort.
So a very negative role India played in that war effort and it's still going on as we talk. Uh, India's role in G20 has also been very, very questionable uh, in terms of, you know, supporting our agenda in, uh, of cornering Russia or other countries and kind of bringing them in line with the, you know, the world where things run as per set rules, especially India's constant propping of a Russian agenda and Chinese agenda in G20 has been a source of problem. Like the latest G20 summit that happened in India, uh, India was the chairman of that summit. Um, they didn't allow, you know, uh, Biden and Trudeau to even hold a press conference and not even a press conference with our uh, like American press corps. That was the level of, you know, they were worried that hope oh, India will, Biden will say something which is going to upset the Russians uh, because there is war going on in Russia. So India's role in G20 has been primarily of being a Russian puppet to say the least. India is also uh, very, very friendly with Iran and one of the major purchasers of oil from Iran. If India was not there, Iran would have tough time being even a scalable, sustainable, economically viable entity. Very few people know that. Uh, they, these are allegations now. Uh, I have read reports that, you know, Iran's nuclear proliferation, uh, you know, there's decent amount of support from India. Uh, India's NSA was, you know, constantly visits Iran. And there was a very urgent visit that happened like a couple of weeks back. And there's been speculation that actually it was related to uh, India providing some emergency uranium, blah, 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 plutonium for uh, Iran going nuclear very soon. So there's, this is more in the space of speculation. But, you know, as they say, there is no smoke if there is no fire. Uh, India has been constantly trying and they are very vocal about it, about challenging the dominance of the dollar in world trade. Uh, they are the, actually the first country which moved to purchasing gas using a non-dollar currency. Uh, all through the Ukrainian crisis, the Indians purchased dollar, uh, sorry, purchased gas using currencies which was non-dollar denominated. They are the prime champions of, you know, challenging the dollar dominance. And they constantly talk about coming up with this currency, that currency, which is going to take off the, you know, dollar uh, preeminence. Uh, India has also played a great role in its role in expanding BRICS, which is basically a counter to G20. Um, and the recent kind of addition of five more members into BRICS, uh, it is said India had a role to play in it. Okay. Th lastly, um, India, or second lastly, uh, if you, and maybe these two points are linked. Uh, the Indian mindset, if you read and listen to all Indian major strategic analysts, um, they look at Indian continent itself as some kind of one civilization, which is factually not correct. India is a continent with multiple civilizations, but the, the, the way the Indian regime is structured is that the power there is held by a casteist elite, which prominently come from one particular tribe called Brahmins, which are basically the originators of the caste system in India. And they basically have a civilizational narrative. And they say India, they see India as this civilizational state, they call it, and which is kind of Hindu civilizational state, which in their worldview is in conflict with 
Muslim civilization and Islamic civilization and Chinese civilization. And their end goal is to basically fight them and conquer them. So while in our day to day work, uh, when we meet uh, fellow Indians, they look very friendly, you know, and they are friendly and very, you know, benign citizens. When you probe a bit into their ideology, not all of them, but the ones who are nationalistic and who believe in this idea of, you know, the Indian civilization, you will see that they have deep, deep hatred for uh, Western civilization because it's a competing model. So while they will come here, their, their mindset, and this is, I'm talking about diaspora, but even their, in their entire security, uh, national security structure from top, from the prime minister right to bottom, uh, has bought onto this narrative that India is a civilization which is in a perennial conflict where the Western civilization, which they call it a Christian civilization and Islamic civilization and Chinese civilization. So, so it is with that view that uh, they kind of look at West as an enemy rather than as a friend. So it is very important. To, and you guys can go and watch uh, some of these videos. Actually, I had published a couple of videos where I had translated because they generally speak in Hindi when they talk about these things. They don't want things to kind of uh, best to understand things too easily or what's going on here. But you can see a very deep-seated hatred. Uh, it, and that hatred is very similar to if you, you know, hear some of these very core like ISIS guys who have this idea of, you know, an Islamic ummah and which is going to rule the entire world. It is basically the same philosophy. The only difference is you can change the word from Islamic to Hindu, but that's it. But uh, the, their, their goal first is to take over the entire continent from Kabul till, you know, Kanyakumari. They call it Akhand Bharat, but they don't want to stop it there. Yeah. Honey, let me add something. It is, it did happen uh, like 40, 50, 60 years ago. It just happened in the last 15, 20, 20 years ago. All those, uh, those people are saying this. Yeah, Lalpani, uh, I'll, I'll finish this. We'll, we'll open it up for questions. It's been changing. This is, let me correct it. You know, it's yeah. not like that. They were last, but they've been now lately. Army has been being fed. Let me correct it. That's why you can continue speaking now. Thank you. Got it. Got it. Yeah. No, there's a, this is a lengthy presentation. This is supposed to be one hour. Almost we'll be spending one hour through these PPTs. There's a lot more data, and uh, then we'll discuss it. You know, and uh, I encourage you guys to note down the points that you think are incorrect or you agree or disagree with. When we open it up for discussion, you know, we'll kind of pick up on all of these. Okay? And okay, so let's move on. We, so we have to understand this kind of, you know, why this kind of, you know, why is India in a kind of a war-like state with West? What is the need, you know, like uh, for India, it, for Indians per se, it should be a win-win situation to have a beneficial economic relationship with West, especially given how poor that subcontinent is. But uh, as I said, it is not quote unquote a rational state in that sense. It's a it's a state where the elite have a civilizational kind of a narrative. So it's many a times does not behave, you know, in a in a way when you can expect a rational state to behave. In. Okay, so let's move on. So what has been going on? Uh, now I'll kind of present the data, kind of it tells you, you know, how India has been at war. So I'll kind of present you evidence after evidence. And then you guys can make up your mind if India is actually in a state of war with the West or not. Uh, it is an undeclared war. Uh, but like the very first thing is that India is the number one country, which is the source of transnational repression of religious minorities, which have escaped India and are today living in the US. 
you don't have to believe me. You have to pull out the report after report that have been written by USCIRF, which is United States Commission on, in, uh, uh, on International Religious Freedoms. And, and this, is a, uh, this is a fairly comprehensive uh, kind of a study that is done every year. And USCIRF submits a report and kind of recommends the president to kind of put countries in, in, in they have two levels. They put them in particular countries of particular concern. And then the next level is sanctions. Since 2020, they have been recommended that recommending that India needs to be made a country of particular concern. But, you know, as politics kind of always uh, took over, uh, the president kind of ignored that. And I'm told that that is probably going to change very soon. So, so we have to kind of understand this idea of transnational. Now, the transnational repression, before we further, I'll tell you the way it is done is multiple ways. Like, uh, and this is where China is also a great big player. What the country will do is that they will target the diaspora here, like the Indian diaspora, specifically the Sikh diaspora, the religious minority. And they will use things like, you know, they will plant their agents within the religious institute, like in the Sikh Gurdwaras today are infested with Indian spies who will then, you know, some of them will be gangsters or criminals. They will fund them and then they will use them to threaten anybody who says anything critical of the Indian government. Uh, they will also try to take control of the religious institutions of minorities in West. Like many, it is open secret in the Sikh net, uh, circle that almost all major Gurdwaras of Sikhs in India are actually controlled by Indian government through their croonies and their, you know, puppets that they have installed here. Uh, and then they will also, you know, conduct, you know, they will deny them visas, use mobility controls, threaten their family members in India, you know, uh, put them under, you know, torture uh, and kind of once you, because most of these people who come and immigrated, they still have their family back in India. So what they will do is they'll pick up somebody's father, kind of, you know, torture him and then blackmail this person who is now a U.S. citizen to basically act as a double agent of India uh, in U.S. And then you can use them to do whatever that you want them to do. Uh, and this has uh, been ongoing. This is nothing new. This has been kind of something kind of simmering under the surface. Uh, I believe our agencies, everybody knew it, uh, but something that we didn't take notice of until recently. And we'll go to what made everybody wake up to this threat. Uh, so this is what made everybody kind of wake up from their slumber. This is what woke up even the public from its slumber, which is the transnational terrorism, or somebody has used the word that India has been operating death squads globally across all the five I nations, which is Canada, which is UK, which is America, which is Australia. And they have been multiple uh, citizens of Canada, US, Brit uh, Britain, who have been killed directly by Indian death squads or, you know, operatives of Indian intelligence. The most recent one and the most public one which came into knowledge, which probably most of you guys know, is that now there is an indictment filed in a court in uh, in New York, wherein an Indian intelligence officer has been named uh, Indian National, which is a criminal uh, drugger, a drug trafficker who has been named, that their evidence has been presented and they have been indicted, that they have been running this program, sitting while that the Indian intelligence officer is serving, very, very senior Indian intelligence officer who has been running this program, sitting in India. And that actually, uh, and that indictment is there with all the evidence. You guys can go and look at it. 
how they were planning the indian intelligence was planning to kill almost 3 to 6 3 to 2 uh, to 3 americans every month so you can talk about 36 assassinations in a year and it's a damning you know indictment where all the evidence is there they have video evidence they have evidence of money being exchanged uh, being paid to this guy and you know and basically that like, uh, you can imagine you know like <coughs> and almost all of those 36 are expatriate six six are a minority religious minority in india which have been constantly kind of demanding a right to self determination within the indian subcontinent and they are in big numbers they are in us because when they were persecuted big time two decades back uh, many of them sought asylum in us and they are in big numbers in canada as well and in uk as well so and they are one the source of they have been the source of this you know global assassination program and there are reports after reports now on this you can read washington post uh, new york times there are a very prominent sikh who was assassinated in canada his name is hardeep singh nijjar again traced back to india the canadian prime minister stood up in the parliament that is justin trudeau i am no big fan of justin trudeau uh, but you know that there, there is one thing at least he did he did right was to stand up for his country and call out a hostile country which is now sending death squads to canada to kill canadian citizens and um, there say there have been similar deaths uh, in in uh, uk uh there have actually multiple deaths in pakistan uh but we won't talk about it pakistan is a hostile nation to india so they do this all the time but uh this apparently is a new thing i don't i don't remember any time when quote unquote a friendly country leave alone a friendly country even north korea does not operate death squads uh in america for you know north korean dissidents uh or even if they have operated they have not been successful till now uh the maximum we have heard is like chinese operating some kind of police stations which you know we keep think, hearing about but we never get any evidence of but you know but that's the maximum but the indian government has gone way way beyond it um i'll tell you the names you guys can go to new york times whichever paper just type hardeep singh nijjar you will find you know all the evidence on how he was assassinated uh he was assassinated very tragically uh right outside the sikh place of worship you know the gurdwara which he had uh attacked by sikh assass- uh, assassins uh 50 bullets were pumped into his body uh on the father's day when he was leaving the gurdwara to go back to his home to have dinner with his two sons so a very tragic story and he was a, a not just a sikh hero he was a canadian hero you know well known locally loved locally for all the community work he did in terms of the fires in time of you know uh, uh giving help to anybody who is uh, any natural calamity that happened in bc area which have been a plenty recently the floods the fires even when the afghani refugees came in he was a big big uh, part of the support that was provided his gurdwara provided free meals to, uh, actually even right now provides free meals every single day to anybody from any religion any caste any cult culture anybody who is homeless can go and have food in his gurdwara so when that guy was killed it was also a big flag and justin trudeau clearly said that he has evidence canadians have evidence that it was directed by the indian government and indian government's main demand was that you know the six in diaspora they constantly criticize the indian government and they keep running you know this uh, they nowadays there is a very famous referendum movement that is the sikhs are running they are conducting a peaceful non binding referendum which is in the eyes or crosshairs of the indian regime 
because they don't want any such demand to even be talked about anywhere in the world. So, um, so that uh, I've only taken a couple of assassinations that have happened. You guys can Google it and find out more. There's like enough data available on these global assassination programs of India, especially targeting Americans and Canadians. Uh, okay, so it is not just, you know, that uh, India has been, you know, uh, running this uh, assassination program or or using, you know, tactics like, you know, threatening people's family members back home or torturing them or, you know, confiscating properties of uh, American citizens, which they have back in their home country in India. The Indian government today is considered, and there are multiple US reports as well on this, is considered the biggest source of disinformation on World Wide Web. What Indian government has, and it is not talked about enough, but it is an open secret now. What Indian government has done, not even Russia and China has achieved today. And I will talk you through what all they have done and how they have vitiated that entire ecosystem of what the new digital media that we have. Um, there is this very great article you can read from Washington Post, uh, where there is this, they talk about this vast digital campaign by Hindu nationalists to inflame India. And it's not just inflame India now, it is now to inflame the whole world. Um, and uh, in this article, I think they talk about the more than 100,000 people that you know had been hired by this government just to you know spread disinformation, act as trolls, you know, amplify you know disinformation that they want to go out in the world. And many of you who are listening, probably have first-hand experience of, you know, the Indian trolls. Uh, there is nobody left today on the worldwide media who doesn't know what an Indian troll means, because one way or the other, you will come in their crosshairs. They're everywhere. But anyways, uh, let's look at how they have done it, okay? Uh, I'll give you a couple of examples. Uh, but before uh, one, and I'll take you one, like take Apple at a time. Apple, this is a, this is a very nice article by Washington Post, how Apple was blackmailed, threatened, with their executives in India were threatened with imprisonment. But the mistake Apple uh, did was the Indian government has bought a software called Pegasus, which can actually hack Apple iPhone you, without even giving you a, you know any sending you any software. It can just give you a missed call, and then the software can enter and can hack your phone. And so the it's a very very rare software, uh, and uh, by it's made by it's made by an Israeli company. And the contract says that it will only be sold to governments and they can only use it for, you know, purpose of targeting terrorists or let's say human traffickers. Uh, there are very stringent conditions on the use of that software by any government. But the Indian government has been caught using that software left, right and center. They don't have a single terrorist on the list. There have been many investigation reports where they have leaked the people that the Indian government has targeted. So they have targeted, you know, um, activists, uh, social workers, journalists, politicians, bankers. Okay, uh, and uh, you know, you name them. Anybody from the minority community who is any any kind of leader of prominence, uh, his or her phone has been hacked by the Indian government using that software. So, so if you, and all these reports which came out always had Indian government being the largest abuser of this software. So, so obviously Apple was monitoring, Apple had an internal program of monitoring, which who is doing what. And once they figured it out, you know, they were like alarmed and as a responsible company and Apple is a responsible company, I have to say, uh, it basically sent out a 
a warning to all those users who were targeted telling them that hey it seems that your phone might have been targeted for hacking so here are a couple of steps you can take like put your phone in lockdown mode etc and just that plain warning when it went out it the indian government raised a hue and cry they called the head of the apple in india and threatened him that he'll be put in prison and then uh, until and unless he withdraws that warning and this is you know uh, you can read this article it's a very in depth article <laughs> on what they did okay and um, and then you know like uh, the app, the the poor guy you know he basically under threat he eventually ended up you know saying okay i can't withdraw it and he got stuck between the apple office in uh, in california <laughs> and the indian government and he eventually you know as ended up setting and he was forced to send another advisory to all those people who got the first advisory and that advisory had to say that oh our first advisory was probably a mistake and sent out due to some technical error he was forced to send that this is what this article kind of exposes and indian government didn't stop at it once they got it they even called the security head of apple travel to india in november this year they they actually even threatened him with imprisonment that if he does not you know if he next time this happens then this they'll have to basically pay a price for it and uh, so so that is the extent to which indian government went to kind of hack apple phones and kind of you know uh, make sure that apple does not react or does not make any countermeasures to stop that hacking uh, another uh, you guys can read the article in your free time uh, uh, facebook there are articles after articles which are telling how facebook was pressurized and actually you know censured all the speech any speech you could put on facebook against the indian government the facebook will take it off now it would largely went unnoticed because you know uh, the speech that was being muffled was of be of the religious minorities like sikhs and muslims and christians and um, and you know it didn't impact our western world view in that major degree so it kept happening but at the number of the scale of it was huge and um, in fact uh, the facebook office in india today has uh, people who are actually indian government employees and i'll talk about it that there was actually a whistleblower meeting a whistleblower who came out with all this information and uh, there was a senate hearing and uh, in that senate hearing there was also another kind of a closed door hearing but what we know from the public portion the non redacted portion of that whistleblower report uh, i will talk about it after a couple of more slides you know it is damning uh, especially with relation to twitter okay netflix and amazon were also threatened with prison and they also had to fall in line with the indian government in fact the amazon prime video head of india today her passport has been confiscated by the indian government and she the poor girl is in hiding nobody knows where she is amazon india is trying to keep her protected and they have kept her under wraps so she doesn't get captured and tortured to death or kind of disappeared like it generally happens in india if you fall uh, foul to the indian regime so what happened was here in this case was amazon committed a mistake of making a documentary which was called tandav t a n d a v you can't actually find find it now on prime video because they took it down under pressure uh, i think probably the best political documentary ever made in indian history i have watched it when when it came out 
but because it kind of highlighted political corruption and you know criminal elements how they are being utilized by government to silence and it was just a documentary and that the indian government flew up in rage and they basically first arrested that lady then they released her but they confiscated her passport i have forgotten the name of that lady you can read this article uh, it's again a washington post article and uh, and you can get all the details you know what exactly happened uh, to her and she actually is right now as we talk the poor lady nobody knows where she is um uh, same thing with netflix netflix actually canceled uh and actually actually hired a guy who is probably the best director on political movies and drama today in india his name is uh, uh kashyap uh, i forgot his first name his last name is kashyap this guy actually made a one of the most highly paid docu political docu series not docu series political drama series for netflix it had a name the whole shooting was everything was finished and then the indian government just didn't like it and he was he was forced to netflix was forced to shelve that political uh drama series and that person you know basically is still wondering you know what happened to all my work of 3 years and uh, and it is not just one series now the culture of you know self censorship has set in uh you know the players have learned a lesson that you know what they can do what they can't do okay uh twitter uh, again an interesting story uh twitter actually uh twitter office was rated as well if you read the whistleblower report i'll probably do a full thread on it it is like mind blowing like what all indian tactics indian government use they basically threatened that twitter uh, india that if they don't allow make two of their intelligence operators sit in their office and give them access to data then they are you know they're they're not going to just you know let them operate so twitter relented so the two employees working for indian raw are actually embedded in the twitter india office and uh, and there is actually you know very damning uh, kind of you know evidence in that whistleblower if you read that whole report uh, it's not just two there after multiple other hires were made which were forced by the indian government basically forced twitter india they have to hire these employees so none of your data if you are on twitter take it guaranteed for me your data is in indian government's hand it is not secure does not matter whether you're an american citizen uk citizen british citizen okay uh, all of us who work in technology companies we know you know how we engineers can access data and you know how all this talk about this data is secure and all is fine when you are outside but when you are you are inside and you are an engineer who has access to you know the databases you know you you get access to everything it's very difficult to limit access uh okay while i am at i'll just do a quick check with people who are on the video twitter live stream uh, uh, i hope my voice is clear there if anyone does not hear my voice clear I, because i am also live streaming uh, let me know uh, i'm not on mute so uh if can anybody give a thumbs up if my live stream is working fine or people on live stream can you post a comment okay okay seems nobody is saying anything so it's okay okay so this is twitter i encourage everybody to read uh, that whistleblower report uh, google it the whistleblower report uh, on twitter hearings in the senate and um, and then you hear and just uh, search for india and read the portion that is about india actually when it came to talking about india the 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 evidence was so damning that they had to go for a in camera hearing for that portion 
in whatever they call it, you know, where only people with certain security clearance kind of go and brief. Uh, because that was the level of inter interference that the Indian government was doing uh, in the Twitter uh, algorithms and uh, Twitter structure itself. Okay. Uh, let's move on. Uh, before, uh, uh, so I talked about this, and there was another kind of uh, report which came out. I have not shared it here, but I can talk about it. Uh, I think it was in uh, Wall Street Journal or New York Times, I forget, wherein they showed that there are these big Twitter handles with millions of followers, millions of followers who are actually, uh, you know, uh, raw agent. Raw is the CIA equivalent of India, who are actually serving raw officers, who are basically running social media accounts with millions of followers and targeting, you know, the Indian diaspora here or the religious minorities of India or targeting, you know, somebody else. And sometimes though, some of them even are acting on behalf of Russia to kind of further that agenda. So uh, that is, again, a very damning report. They actually figured out the some of these accounts and who were behind them. They named those serving officers. One of the name, uh, one of the guys' name is actually Lieutenant Colonel uh, Satyat Satpati something. Uh, you guys can find that article. Uh, I have not been able to paste it here, but a very, very revealing article on, you know, how Indian intelligence officers are actually be working as social media accounts and social media influencers, you know, with millions of followers. Uh, amazing. Uh, okay, yeah. So, uh, well, before going further, uh, Sarwar Paji has made a comment that uh, he has some reservations about uh, my statement. I don't know which statement, Paji, but you can comment here if it is appropriate. Otherwise, you know, when we open it up for for uh, for questions and discussion, you are valid to kind of put it up. But if you're going to leave early, feel free to DM me or leave a comment here, and I'll I'll address that. Uh, but if you're going to stay back uh, through the end of this, then you're most welcome. I'll give you the speaker, and we'll talk about you know in case I present or mispresented something. We'll open it up for a discussion so you guys can you know everybody can weigh in. Okay, <clears throat> another thing that the Indian government has done is uh, weaponizing its large diaspora population. And when I say diaspora, not the whole diaspora, but the Indian nationalistic diaspora. As you know, we talked about, you know, India government have always been using blackmailing people in the diaspora by twisting their arms or by threatening, you know, torture to their family members in India or their properties, etc. etc. But that was just blackmail. And so you could do only that much. You could only create that many double agents. But Indian government has today found out a unique way, which nobody ever has done it. And what they have figured out is that, hey, we can actually brainwash our people who are going to US, either going or who are already there into this Indian civilizational narrative and convert them into Indian nationalists. And then basically have their loyalties be more towards us than to American flag or Canadian flag. And then we can use them to do many things like they're Indians at every level, you know, like uh, in politics, in high technology, in you name it, the Indian diaspora is everywhere. I Somewhere I was reading uh, the Indian diaspora is 2% of uh, roughly 2% of the American population. So you're talking about minimum 6 million people. Even if half of them become Indian nationalists, they can act as double agents for the government. So it's a very unique way they figured out. And that's why probably that whole digital army was created to brainwash everybody into this idea of Indian nationalism and then utilize them to buy influence within US, Canada and other five A nations. And we'll show you some examples how powerful today the Indian government is, 
how much influence it holds within our political setup in US, in Canada, in Britain, in Australia. They can influence policy. They can influence our policy at every level. They can even influence, you know, uh, our policies internally as well as externally, even our foreign policy. And uh, and this is very different, you know. This is very different from Chinese and Russians. Generally, you will get Chinese coming in here, Russians coming in here. They dislike the system back home. So they turn to be more like loyal to our flag. Same like uh, Sikhs who come from India. They generally dislike the Indian system. So they become very loyal to the Indian flag. But the Indian diaspora, especially the Indian nationalistic diaspora, which has now been brainwashed into this ideology, is very unique because they, they have come here, but their loyalty is towards India. So they will always, they'll openly tell you that if there's a conflict, where will you stand? They'll say India, not with US. And uh, in fact, some of them probably deeply hate the idea of, you know, uh, the Western civilization. So here's the prime example. Hopefully this should have waken up our national security establishment. Uh, uh, prime Minister Modi came to US, took Mr. Trump to a Howdy Modi event filled up a stadium with 100,000 Indian Americans waving Indian flags, some bit of American flags, mostly Indian flags, and telling them basically to Trump, I can help you win your next election. And he's true. It is true because you look at the vote difference between the presidential candidates. It's, I think, not even, it's less than half a million between uh, Hillary Clinton and Trump. Trump actually got half a million less votes than uh, Hillary Clinton. Somebody should fact check me. My number could be here and there, but it's very close. It's not more than a million. Okay. And now you have Modi who comes in and who tells you, hey, I have 3 million Indian nationalists who will vote wherever I will tell them to vote. Because Modi is so popular with the Indian nationalist diaspora. So he could uh, make anybody win the election in US. So if you can make, <laughs> that, you can make, you can choose who will be the president of US. Who has more power, the president of U.S. or the guy who's choosing him? Uh, I hope, uh, you know, this was a wake-up call. When this happened, it was a wake-up call for me. And uh, when I saw this, what's going on out here? And anyways, this is not uh, alone. Uh, the only way, even I'm told this is happening in, uh, in Senate. The senators are scared of saying anything which is against India. The congressmen are scared of saying anything which the Indian diaspora does not like or saying anything against the Indian government because they know that a big portion of their constituency which is Indian nationalist diaspora is very very loyal to the Indian flag so if they say anything against the Indian government it's they're going to lose votes so so you can figure out you know what's happening in the policy making of our country um, this has not gone unnoticed there is a full-fledged uh, inquiry going on into foreign interference in Canadian politics. Uh, I think Canada is the more the bigger victim of this because they're a smaller nation, less powerful, you know, army, uh, less power, less resources, uh, way more vulnerable than us, and uh, and their politics has been you know taken over left, right, and center through the by the Indian regime because they have so much. Uh, influence in who will win the election, say it from prime minister up to you know members of parliament. Um, and this whole foreign interference committee, India's name is right on top as one of the major players of foreign interference. There was this uh, you know global news article, you get and then articles after articles. I have given one just as an example 
because then when you are kind of watching this again, you can just Google it and at least read this article, if not any other article. Canadian politicians were targets for Indian intelligence covert arms operations. Uh, so this is going on. Hopefully they will do something about it. Okay. What they are also the government is also using is using its diaspora and the Indian nationalistic uh, diaspora element who get into positions of power. You know, one famous name is Chandra Arya, he's a member of Parliament of Canada. Use them to not only further the cause of you know uh, Indian state or by favorable policy towards Indian state, they are also using many of these politicians to drive divisions between Canadian society and. Um, a prime example was Chandra Arya. This gentleman, if I can call him gentleman, <laughs> he stood up on in the House of uh, Parliament, Canadian Parliament, and said, "The Sikh, uh, all the Sikhs who are in Canada and demanding, you know, uh, and conducting this peaceful referendum uh, for, you know, or speaking up for human rights in India, they are basically snakes in our backyard." So just to give you an idea, you know, how, uh, you know, how they are using all the uh, influence that they have through the diaspora to cause problems within Canada. Another prominent way what they're is happening uh, and it's very concerning. Uh, and I have given a report of what happened in New Zealand. The same thing happened in UK, or maybe not in UK, uh, in Canada, uh, in, um, in uh, US, this has happened. What has happened is, Somebody will come and suddenly deface the walls of the Hindu temples or mandars and put, you know, graffiti there saying, you know, something anti-India and say, okay, or something pro-Sikh. And then they will, uh, when the police will come to investigate, they will find, oh, the mandar will say, oh, we don't have any CCTV footage. None of these instances, there are probably three instances which happened in Australia. I think two or three which happened in Canada and same two or three which happened in uh, uh in uh, in US in US recently it happened in San Francisco uh, where in a mandar Hindu mandar's wall and the board was kind of defaced with graffiti and uh, graffiti you know kind of it will be anti India and pro Sikh so the intonation being that the Sikhs basically Indian did it but the curious element is all of these mandars had CCTVs and not even a single incident did the mandar shared the CCTV footage. Because the incidents are most older in Australia, the Australian police got suspicious what's going on. So now we have, through the Freedom of Information Act, they finally released the police report, which did the investigation into the incidents in Australia. And basically they said it was done by some Hindu extremist youth themselves. They came in in connivance with the Mandar authorities. The CCTV footage was, or CCTV either turned off or whatever, and then basically they defaced the mandar themselves so that the blame can be put on six. So now I'm why I'm naming Indian government in it. You'll say maybe this is done by somebody in an isolated fashion, but no, the Indian government gave up their hand because the moment this happened, this defacement happened in Australia, the Prime Minister of India came to Australia. And he is on record publicly making statement that Australian government is not, not safeguarding the Hindu Australians and is giving fill up to the Sikh Australians and the Sikh Australians are targeting the Hindu Australians. So he basically saying, I am the prime minister of only of Hindu Indians. 
I am not the prime minister of Sikh Indians, you know, who have come to your country. And so he kind of used that incident to put diplomatic pressure on Australia to clamp down on Sikh activism in Australia. So which kind of gave away the fact that, you know, there is probably Indian hand behind these instances. Uh, and then, you know, there is a, um, there's a very uh, uh, curious cases we have seen uh, when I run Twitter spaces. We have had uh, Australian students of Indian origin kind of tell, narrate cases to us on how they were blackmailed in Indian consulates and kind of pressurized to shut up and stop criticizing the Indian government. So this operation, I have given you this uh, news report uh, because this report got leaked. Uh, that report is available online. Bars News has done a great article where they have published the entire report, the police investigation report. And uh, you guys can go and read it on Bars News uh, if you have time. Um, I probably have done a space on it as well. And you guys can listen to that space if you want more details. Um, and then there is this. Uh, um, okay, just hold on. Let me get this Puchangi out. Okay, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> the young man doesn't want to move out of my room, so he wants to be in camera and let him be. Uh, hopefully, he's not too much of a disturbance in the background. If he is, let me know. Uh, so, so this is uh, this is a very very serious instance because you know what Indian government is trying to do is trying to create this Hindu and Sikh fight, or at least an impression that the Hindus are being targeted by the Sikh diaspora in these foreign lands. And these governments have to do something. The, the, the end goal is to basically figure out a way so that the Australian government, the American government, and the Canadian government can, you know, clamp down on the First Amendment rights of, you know, Sikh Americans or Austra Sikh Australians so that they can basically clamp down on their freedom of speech so they don't speak up against the Indian government. So that is a very, very dirty, I count it a tactic, a very low-level tactic, but it is what it is. And... Um, Okay, so I talked about defacement of mandars across these three countries, multiple instances, probably more than nine or ten those instances. Those are not alone. We saw like Indian government enticing some communal riots within Canada. And the most famous of that is what happened on Westwood Mall. This is in Toronto, Canada. What happened was every year in Westwood Mall on Diwali, Diwali is a joint festival between Sikhs and Hindus. And Sikhs and Hindus have a very, very great, you know, social relationship. There's no animosity. These communities, if you go anywhere in the world, they will, you will see them living together. They will never be living segregated. Like generally, they will say the Hindus might have a problem with Muslim, but you will see Sikhs have no problem either with Muslim or, or Hindus. Maybe with Muslims to some extent, but not with the Hindus. So they have been living and this festival is celebrated jointly. So every year in this mall, these young children, kids will get together, Hindus and Sikhs both, and they will brush firecrackers against the law because you can't brush firecrackers there. But, you know, it is a festival. Like the police also kind of looks the other way. The authorities kind of never stop them in a serious way. So they come and have a little bit of fun in this mall. But this year, and that has been, this has been happening for more than five to six decades. And a joint activity, which was a sign of communal harmony, 
But this year, what happened was that the, when these guys were uh, cracking, you know, firecrackers or busting firecrackers, suddenly a car arrived with lot of aggressive Hindu youth who then came with their Indian flags and started waving the Indian flags in the face of the Sikh youth there. The Sikh youth obviously retaliated and they went into their cars and then they bought their Khalistan independence flag and they started waving back to them. And soon it turned into a ruckus and police had to intervene and separate the groups. But imagine like putting an Indian flag in the face of a Sikh in diaspora is equivalent to you taking a Nazi flag and putting in the face of a Jew. So that's the level of provocation here that's that was being done. But, uh, you know, uh, but this was done first time. No Hindu will ever do it, you know, uh, until unless somebody has motivated a group of people, kind of paid them money and sent them there. That is why, at least in the Sikh community, there is consensus that this was not the local youth. These were new youth immigrants which have been pushed by the Indian government and will go to there. How Indian government has been pushing a lot of Indian nationalist immigrants through legal and illegal means into Canada and U.S. To cause such trouble, and uh, and uh, this is the first time a communal flare-up happened between these two communities ever on Canadian soil. Okay, uh, as I said, why this flare-up is happening? Like, if these diaspora communities were living peacefully for so long, what has suddenly changed? What has suddenly changed is in last four to five years, Indian regime has figured out that there is an easy way to push more national you can weaponize the indian diaspora and they were not happy with the number of people already there if you can push more indian nationalistic diaspora you can use them to do you can get more votes you get more influence within canada and us and then you can you also push in some criminal elements who can do a lot of work for you who can do transnational terrorism transnational depression and we'll talk about some of the work that they have done so on the mexican border today the highest number of ethnic groups who are crossing that border are actually Indians after Mexicans. You imagine where is India and where is the border? And how are they coming? There was a recent flight which was stopped in Romania. They are not coming as, you know, somebody is paying an agent and coming alone. There are plane full of Indians which are taking off from Delhi, going directly and landing in Nicaragua. Every single passenger on that plane is going to get off and then cross the Mexican border. Every single passenger. So you can imagine that who is doing it. This is basically human trafficking at a scale being run by a country, like a big country, so-called democratic country and its agencies on their own. It's not like an illegal operation. It's a state running, a full state is running a human trafficking operation. So there was this lease, and if you go and uh, uh, Google this, uh, flight which was taken uh, down, taken down, I forced to land in France. This flight, uh, the, again, you know what they're doing is the, the modus operandi is they will hire a chartered plane, the agency or Indian government from, you know, these small Russian countries. Like, I think this was some Romanian plane, if I'm not wrong. And then they will, uh, they'll put like, this plane had 303 Indians on it. All of them basically going to Nicaragua. Because Nicaragua, you can uh, come with Indian passport. You don't need a visa. And then from Nicaragua, they have this dangerous trek up to Mexican border. But all that is prearranged. All 303 of them were being trafficked. So can you imagine this plane took off from Delhi, the national capital? 
and this is not the only plane i just heard yesterday they took down another plane in germany similar plane similar case so so the uh, can that can such a plane with 300 every single passenger is being trafficked okay can that take off without the knowledge of indian raw i would say not the knowledge it is basically their handiwork and uh, i can tell you personally a story i was speaking to like i am also ex forces and i was speaking to a friend of mine uh, in the government you know couple of years back because i was noticing that there is this sudden surge of you know illegal indians who are crossing the border and I'm, i was talking to him like man what's going on in india are things not good like it seems like the economy is doing bad because why are so many youth uh, you know risking their life crossing the border and then he said no harjit this is by design we want them to go there we want more and more indian nationalists to actually enter us and canada because they become our asset so that is the mindset that is driving the indian uh, state okay great uh, the uh, again like one of the quote unquote benefits is <laughs> now you suddenly one of the things that the indian state have been doing is and this i used to hear you know uh, in through anecdotal talk in the community that you know on the border harjit there are a lot of uh, what you call uh, gangsters uh, who are being pumped in by the indian government i used to take it okay this probably is people are seeing lot of indian illegal indians coming in so they feel that lot more gangsters are also come in uh, i used to take it lightly but uh, but then the warnings were kind of obvious and we started seeing it happening in canada in canada sari bc is today infested with quote unquote hindu nationalist gangs indian gangs who are kind of new kids on the block what they have done is there are always the gang culture in sari but it was the sari gang culture where any the youth who were born here would kind of grow some of them will grow into it um it was a gang culture which has kind of have almost become a part of the social structure there uh you won't see them you know doing mass scale public shootings or you know doing extortions of every second businessman in the street but this these new gangsters now which have come en masse probably in these planes they are now basically and they basically write a letter uh last i think two weeks back uh there was a incident where and we had people who came in here and i think there's a tv news reporter which also confirmed not not tv news reporter a, a newspaper reporter which actually collated and he claimed more than 1000 businesses in sari bc received an extortion threat from indian gangsters and the letter was published the letter is basically in broken english again you know they it all start with those hindu salutations jai shri ram you know we are here to extract money and blah 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 and the police advisory also came out this is what came out from the abbotsford a police department and you know they basically even started naming that these are gangs based in india they are targeting affluent members of south asian community they speak hindi and they demand large quantities of money we are told many people ended up paying money generally they asked 2 million dollars people who did not pay money we have shooting instances happening outside their houses no killing has been reported till now but multiple shootings have been reported so this is what is happening in surrey this extortion thing same thing and today we see the incident which prompted me to kind of do the space because this is a very very worrying uh, incident which is a very sad incident what if and this uh, uh, report came out in adventon ctv news where they reported that there are these indian gangs who have now come new to this town in adventon uh, indian hindu nationalist gang or indian nationalist gang whatever you call them uh, and they what they are doing is they they ask for money and extortion from people and they are and they are targeting you know different type of businesses but to builders most of the builders in edmonton are sick so if you see in canada sikhs are big time in building and trucking 
So what they'll do is they'll ask for money. If the money is paid, great. If the money is not paid, they'll go and put on fire whatever is their project or house that is being built. So you don't risk any life, but you basically do financial loss to a project which is already underway. So there are arson after arson in Edmonton that is going on right now. And very, very sad. Imagine, you know, a business getting destroyed, a whole family getting destroyed because somebody just, you know, came from India and is motivated by the Indian government. Uh, and uh, so that this in, this is, you know, and uh, what else is there? But okay. So, so I've tried to cover some elements of it. I've not covered the whole elements. There are other aspects. But uh, to me, uh, the Indian government, if you look at it all, you know, the way they have pumped in these gangsters to to do, you know, inside crime, do drug trafficking, you know, uh, to kind of do human trafficking of people, to buy political influence, do communal rights, to, you know, and to create basically a, a influence within US and Canada, um, uh, how they and then how they have kind of manipulated and taken on the on the digital media. And another one aspect as to this now I'm reminded. So all this that Indian government did, OK, by blackmailing these companies, the way they did it was they said, if you don't follow what we are telling you to do, we will arrest your employees in India. And uh, and they did it legally because they will pass some act in the parliament. The Indian constitution is not, not like US constitution. OK, there's no bill of rights there. <laughs> that you can, the government like there, the constitution, the laws, there are the laws in India, like UAPA, where an investigating officer can arrest anybody based on any suspicion he has that, okay, this guy might be of trouble and you can be labeled a terrorist for two years. You are not to be produced in any court. And then the if he uh, claims that you are a terrorist, okay, if he says you are a terrorist, he doesn't have to prove any evidence. The person who has been blamed that he's a terrorist has to prove to the court that he is not a terrorist. Okay, so the Indian law terms this whole legal thing of, you know, that the you are, you are innocent till proven guilty. It says you are guilty till you prove us that you are innocent. Okay, so it's a very unique uh, country. Uh, I call it, you know, a bigger version of North Korea. North Korea may be also not that bad, but anyways. So, so that is uh, under those laws. These uh, these companies are now forced to do all this kind of stuff and compromise the privacy of the users. Uh, but what has happened is it is other authoritarian countries like Bangladesh, uh, Pakistan, you know, uh, Iran, they, they see what's going on. So now they are also passing similar acts and similar laws and using the same tactics to basically blackmail these companies. So it has spread like cancer in the authoritarian world. Uh, and India is now the, they claim they are the leader of global south. I say they are the leader of all the authoritarian, you know, regimes in the world today in coming up with ingenious ways of, you know, curtailing the freedom of people. So, so, so that is another, you know, like uh, our whole digital eco uh, media, our ecosystem is at risk from the actions of, you know, a very irresponsible actions, I would say, of the Indian regime. Um, so, and then, you know, we know the death squads, the way some of the Americans are being killed on American soil. Canadians have been killed on Canadian soil, you know, just because they are speaking up something that the Indian government does not like. So transnational terrorism, you know, the con the constant multinational repression and the overall role that India has played against US. Uh, I am convinced that India is actually on a, uh, India has, it has an undeclared war going on against US and Canada. And why I say that the crux of that goes to this last line. Uh, 
the why it has declared uh, it is an undeclared or launched an undeclared war undeclared war is because india india sees us canada as competing civilizations that have to be destroyed that is the mindset of their you know they don't look at it uh, as you know some uh, a civilization that they want to copy and they want to learn from and they want to kind of improve but it is more like okay if you can read in their you know in their public narrative they will openly say you know west is so bad you know they took 45 trillion dollars from us that is why we are poor and now we are here to basically get even and there is this mindset that we have now arrived and we are going to get even with the west and uh, and that the indian civilization is this mythical like the the best culture and the best civilization in the world and we are going to propagate that all through the world it's no different than you know some of the people who have a very different view of sharia based islam you know who want to kind of impose it on the entire world so so that is why i i see that we invest are under attack uh from india um who uh, is in cahoots with the russia and many other authoritarian regimes so that is the crux of my presentation uh we will open it up for uh for a uh, discussion uh and i will invite people uh they can ask me questions on if you are watching me on the video stream twitter stream you can put a question there i can take a question from there uh or you can actually join as a speaker on the twitter space the twitter space is open send me a speaker request i'm happy to add you as a speaker and we can take questions uh, let me add harman chinna ji is saying good analysis thank you harman ji i i try i tried to put whatever i could find it was a quick presentation i made in like 15 minutes i didn't have enough time but i wanted to so i request people to ask for the mic you know if you have a question we can have a quick discussion especially you know if there are people here who are sympathetic to the indian nationalistic cause i don't want to present a one sided vision of this um and you know you are more than free to come and check me fact check me uh if there is anything which has been presented incorrectly sarva ji let me send you a speaker in white i know you had a question uh sarva ji if you can hear me just accept that in white and uh, coin pan has not accepted for some reason uh chatta pa ji you can hear me right or is my voice not audible yeah yeah main main bas do bari phone aa gaya bechare waise ta jinniya gallan tu kar rahi hai mera koi banda nahi bhi baat upar di karan par main tere dhyan de vich leona chahna te barbara christopher na di lady aa unne 2010 article likha si te elephant india nu kya si elephant in the room article mein tere kisi pe main messenger te kisi pe bhej ditta tu pad li ho तो चलो उन्हें उन्हें जो गलत कितिया तू नवेश्रियों कितिया ते पर गाल सारी उठे जिंदी है भी इंडिया एलिफेंट इन द रूम ते किसे पास से फैट नहीं पेशन वाला सो मैं तो इन्हीं गाल कराऊंगा बाकी गाल लगी करो भी कर दिया पर ग्रेट ग्रेट यार आई जस्ट सेइड इन इंग्लिश व्हाट चटापाजी वाज सेइंग वाज 
that Barbara uh, Kraft, she wrote an article in 2010 itself. The name of the article is uh, uh, Elephant in the Room, India, or India Elephant in the Room, uh, kind of pointing out, you know, how India uh, is at cross purposes with the West and, you know, might in the medium run turn out to be a hostile country rather than a friendly country. And uh, we'll talk about those deep reasons as well before we close the uh, topic. But I wanted to kind of give you a chance to, to Sarvar Paji is here. Uh, Sarvaji, you uh, want to add something, question something, please feel free. The stage is yours. I really enjoy, you know, uh, your vlogs, your, your talk, your information <laughs> and, uh, and, and your research. ਮੇਰੀ <laughs> Uh, parents, they, okay, I was born after after partition. They parents about respect, you know, keeping that in view, and then you know, other other whole later stage Pakistan, they go they to see the coke, Kistra, uh, you know, Imran Khan family, Kistra, Matabar, Dari, Nukolia, or Sala, Jovi Bandobaski, that way it's on the year, and Mopata or Milakala Katwada, Twada Hakega, Katate. We are not going to let you go off. We can go to the larger issue of the subcontinent. But, you know, uh, if you can, you know, talk more about this topic, you know, if you are to add anything or, you know, that what this trans, this kind of actions that Indian regime is taking within, you know, uh, US and Canada today, you know, and especially the ones that I've highlighted, you know, what is your take on it? Or if something I said wrong, or if you want, if I miss something, or, you know, what is, how do you see these actions? And what is kind of, you know, your, if you, I don't know where you are, but if you are in US and Canada, do these actions not worry you? Uh, yes, Hajiji, uh, I, I'm, I'm, in, I'm, I'm in US, I'm in, in, uh, in Texas uh, for past 25 years or so. And uh, I've, I've, I've heard and seen videos about the assassination that they, that took place in Canada, and uh, and and the G20 summit, and and how Justin, uh, <coughs> you know, uh, Trudeau, uh, you know, uh, launched his protest and all that. Uh, it's it's I I I you know we all as a Muslim I condemn it. Uh, there are, I've seen, you know, uh, in news that there was an assassination that took place in Lahore also, mm. uh, and and we condemned that too. And and then uh, on on a side note, you know, whenever any anything, uh, you know, happens like that in in the United States or or wherever you know uh, close to us, 
with 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 the Sikh community. You know, we are always uh, looking after them, and you know, we are always involved, and you know, we always condemn it because, of course, you know, I mean, terrorism cannot be cannot be appreciated at any level for any reason or any cause. So, so basically, I mean, it's uh, you know, we, we are we are uh, we, we share uh, the sentiments of our Sikh, Sikh brethren. Uh, throughout the world, wherever they are, and and we appreciate their their uh, uh, you know uh, efforts to 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 fight the uh, the Indian government in in curbing uh, you know oppression against them in India and outside India. And uh, I mean that that's all I want to say. You know, just I I just wanted to touch on one subject that you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, जो सिख के हमारे जो वो थे आपके गुरु थे जो तो ही वेंट टू मक्का मैं आई जस्ट वांटेड टू ब्रिंग इनटू डिस्कशन फॉर जस्ट यू नो कपल ऑफ मिनट्स के ही ही विजिटेड मक्का एंड यू नो आवर होली प्लेस मुस्लिम होली प्लेसेस शोइंग अस एंड 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 वी वी लव हिम फॉर फॉर दैट यू नो दैट ही ही हैड अ लॉट ऑफ रिस्पेक्ट फॉर मुस्लिम्स so when you brought in the comparison of hindu government uh, with uh, you know uh, muslim uh, you know uh, that that is where where i think uh, it it does not make that comparison i mean you know i would not not ask you to you know not say it or not express if you think it is right thing but uh, to me as a muslim you know and not just just trying to defend any 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 muslim for 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 no reason but i i think it was uh, it it doesn't sit well with you know situation you know uh, especially given given the fact that you know our, our ties are you know uh, everlasting and you know we, we have so much respect and love for each other the community so I, i'm i'm just uh, i'm just trying to touch the point that you know we should not uh, touch the codes that that are unnecessary that that's all i wanted to say got so, good yeah so no no it was not uh, the you know, yeah, yeah. discuss it later on yeah, yeah no yeah. absolutely we'll do a separate space on that uh, detail uh, the idea was not to kind of you know touch on any religious sensitivity it was more political absolutely. in nature the comment was more political in nature and we'll talk about that uh, separately but to come to you know um, uh this particular topic now uh if there are no more questions i'll try to you know kind of start wrapping up the things okay and kind of uh because you touched on something which is very critical and that is actually the it is a misconception i want to clear in the minds of listeners as well as anybody in the national security establishment who end up listening to it many people make this mistake of seeing this as a india versus sikh issue or a sikh versus hindu issue it is not it is not an issue of merely killing of some sikhs or repression of some sikhs it is actually the indian state taking a hostile view towards canada and us per se today sikhs are in the middle of that but that tomorrow it could be somebody else what is indian government trying to do because it's not just trying to you know um repress the voice of six american six in here it's saying you can if they anybody any american says anything against the indian government we are going to come and kill them until or if you don't want us to come and kill them hey biden you go and shut make them shut up or basically what he's telling the biden is 
you go and dilute your constitution, you go and dilute your Bill of Rights. We don't give a damn about it, but you have to do it because we don't like an American citizen exercising his First Amendment rights. So the implications of that are immense if we end up doing it. And it's not about six, as I say. It's just the six are kind of part of it today. Tomorrow it could be a Mexican. Tomorrow it could be a Chinese. Tomorrow it could be a Russian. This thing. Tomorrow it could be a white Caucasian American trying to talk about human rights in, you know, Congo or, you know, uh, on in Africa. You know, everybody will again get a license to come and kill us just because we are saying something that a foreign government doesn't like. So are we going to then say, okay, if you have First Amendment rights, Till the time you talk about things in American system. But the moment you talk about things of a foreign government, your First Amendment rights are curtailed. So that is what Indian government is telling US and Canada to do. And they are not only doing that. They are not only forcing us in West to change the very foundations and values on which our constitution was built. Not only that, they are also doing other actions like propping up BRICS, challenging the dollar supremacy across the world. So I've kind of listed them out here. You have to see the whole picture. Funding our enemies, doing nuclear proliferation, <laughs> being in cahoots with Russia, helping Russia fight all the war against US and the West. So these are actions of a friendly nation. These are actions of an active, hostile country. So. So even if they don't do anything about, you know, killing six here, just merely these actions tell you where the Indian state stands with respect to how they view the West. And as I, given you, I had given you the deeper context, the current Indian regime sees India as a civilizational state, a Hindu civilizational state, which is going to one day take over the Christian civilization and the Islamic civilization and all. And you guys can go and watch the Indian topmost Indian strategic analyst openly talking about this conflict. That is deeply rooted in their mindset. And it is that mindset which is driving all these actions. And it is high time that our national security establishment understands that deeper mindset, that deeper cultural nationalistic narrative which is driving these actions. Because only if we understand the root cause, can we take appropriate measures? If we just see it as Indians targeting six, you know, we will end up making a lot of wrong decisions or we'll end up finding wrong solutions which will not solve the problem here. The, we are, the six are not threatened. The six have been in conflict with the Indian government, any Indian government actually, from the day that religion was set in place. And they have survived. Every year they become stronger. They will keep surviving. The issue is, as Americans today, our freedoms are under threat by a third world authoritarian regime. And so what are we going to do about it? Are we going to shut up? Are we going to take it? Or are we going to put them in place where they belong? So with that thought, uh, I think uh, I'll give a last call. If anybody has a question, they want to contribute, ask a question, you're more than welcome. Else we will close this space. So I'm looking for speaker request. Speaker request one, speaker request Two speaker request three. Okay, no speaker request. Great. Uh, I think we did a nice recording. Hopefully, many people will, uh, will watch it. I urge you guys to share whenever the recording comes online, especially the video recording. 
the stream, please share, pre-post it so it can reach maximum uh, fellow patriots uh, across our uh, Western civilization. Uh, they can read it and they can understand what's going on with India. Uh, because, you know, we, the Indian diaspora community who are patriotic to the American flag, to the Canadian flag, and we are the ones who are in a unique position to really notice this danger way earlier than even our larger society, larger setup here will see it. So it is our duty as patriotic Americans, as patriotic British uh, citizens or Canadians to kind of, you know, highlight this problem appropriately, forewarn our national security establishment that, hey, we need to kind of really take this seriously. Uh, we have potentially two to three million Indian nationalistically brainwashed agents roaming around. Uh, how do, what do we do about them? You know, like, like if they are openly loyal to Indian flag versus American flag, you know, what, what risks we carry in that scenario. So, uh, I think everybody is intelligent enough to understand the risk. Okay. I, I would like to thank everybody. We will, uh, uh close this, uh, as we, I always do with, uh, Sikh prayer for the welfare of everybody. Nanak naam chardi kala tere pane sarvat da pala Vaheguru ji ka khalsa te Vaheguru ji ki fateh.